the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Or TheAnswerDayton.com. We will replay our interview today with Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who's in Ohio today campaigning with Republican Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Senator Cruz joined the show in our final segment yesterday, and many of you may have missed it, so we'll replay it for you today at 1130. He had a lot to say about the state of our country, where it needs to go, and why it is where it is as we bring that particular issue down and focus it here in Columbus, why we are where we are and how we get out of our crime-ridden, hopeless city school system. I find it interesting that last night some residents troubled by the preponderance of car thefts in central Ohio, met with juvenile court judges and domestic relations judges and others who have a hand in (laughs) disciplining the kids who are stealing cars. And then in a completely supposedly unrelated but actually completely intertwined story, the Columbus Dispatch today has the breakdown on the breakdown of uh, safety. In our city schools, the number of fights in the first month of the school year in Columbus City Schools, 172, 172 fights. That's 4.4 a day. High school, middle school, elementary school, even kindergarten. We have fights in kindergarten. And they don't count just, you know, a slap fight or a little snit or spat as a fight. No, a fight becomes a fight statistically. When the police are called, because the teachers cannot handle the uprising that is taking place. 4.4 a day. Seems like a lot to me, since I would think that this kind of activity would be confined only to our junior highs or high schools. And there aren't that many of them that we should have 4.4 a day across the district. But it's very interesting to me that the reason why we have so many fights is a complete mystery to the Board of Education in Columbus and the leadership of Columbus City Schools. But the more you draw down on the number of fights, and oh, by the way, uh, the fight stat 172 does not count the fight that led to the murder of lovely Kendricks, 15-year-old, 17-year-old rather, uh, student at East High School about 10 days ago outside Franklin Park. Because that was after the school bell rang, it doesn't count. That's a big fight to me. It results in the murder of a 17-year-old. Also, also, the violent incidents do not include the two, not one, two, shootings at football games between Columbus City Schools this year. So it's more violent than they tell you, and what they tell you is pretty worrisome. So let's dig into, first, the juvenile car theft situation. We're on pace for 10,000 car thefts this year in the city of Columbus. 
David Gray is a concerned citizen. He helped put this meeting together last night at a church in Columbus. And the answers from the juvenile court judges, not really much we can do to the parents whose kids are continuing to steal cars. We have what the people involved in the system think is a really good grading system for people who have done this multiple times. They can detain them until they have a hearing the next day. Others, they give them some kind of a score. Are they dangers to the community? Are they dangers to society? Well, you know, I guess my grading scale would be a little bit different than the one that they've come up with in juvenile court. Mine would be if you've stolen a car, you need to be kept overnight in jail until you have a hearing. Mine would not be, well, he's only stole one car, Bruce, or he's only stole two cars, Bruce, or eh, whatever the number is. To me, the number of acceptable car thefts would be a nice round number, zero. Because if you're stealing cars, we have a disconnect in what you recognize as appropriate behavior in terms of where you fit into the community and what I would say is appropriate behavior on where you fit into the community. I find the comments from Judge Elizabeth Gill to be particularly noteworthy. She says that uh, incarcerating and detaining juveniles is more likely to result in, you're thinking, a corrective behavior? No, not according to Elizabeth Gill. She says that incarcerating and detaining juveniles is more likely to result in repeat offenders. So punishing juveniles for criminal activity makes them more prone to criminal activity. Now, I know this is a popular viewpoint out there in our culture. You might remember the bleeding heart person who called me from Dayton saying that I don't understand these kids and they grow up in tough environments and they don't have moms and dads and they blah, 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 blah. And I get it. And I am not at all celebrating the fact that there are young people in our community who have tough upbringings. But here's what I believe. I believe that it is, A, not hard to stay out of the back of a police car. I really don't believe it's hard to stay out of the back of a police car. I don't believe there's like this magnetic, irresistible pull when a police cruiser is driving through any area of town. In fact, fact, I was just behind a police car today on my way to the office. And you'll notice I'm here. I didn't commit a crime because there's something about police that makes me commit crime. There's something about an interaction with the justice system that made me want to veer off taking my kids to school and run in and rob a Bob Evans or something like that. No, because I know what's acceptable behavior and what isn't. And you know what? I think that every person knows that. I don't think, as the person from Dayton, the social worker from Dayton tried to tell me these kids don't understand that stealing a car is wrong. We will have to never agree to disagree on that, or we will have to never agree to find an accord on that is what I should have said. We will always have to be hopefully agreeable in our disagreement because I just believe that every kid knows that you shouldn't steal anything, even if it's a candy bar from the local 7-Eleven. They know that's wrong. And as long as we have people who are in charge of administering justice and 
applying corrective measures, whether it's incarceration or rehabilitation or whatever it is, as long as we have that mindset among the people who are working with the youth who run afoul of the law, I think that's what leads to more crime from the same people. But Elizabeth Gill, she's on the inside of the system. She says the county's reception center for offending juveniles works to provide access to support resources to the youth offenders. She says they often struggle with mental health or poverty-related problems. I'm sure they do. She said wealthy families of juvenile offenders often have access to and employ the exact same mental health and other types of resources that Franklin County Courts try to provide to offenders from troubled backgrounds. I have no doubt that that is true. But here's what I know. If somebody steals a car and you lock them up overnight, they're not going to steal any cars the rest of that day. And that's what I hear from the cops that I talk to is that they are taking kids in for stealing cars more than once a day at times. More than once a day. Certainly more than once a week. And I would say that if you keep those kids locked up, they're not going to be committing any more car thefts. And pretty soon, I hope, I hope we would get to the point where we would run out of kids who want to steal cars. Can't keep them locked up forever. But I don't think what you're doing is working, Elizabeth Gill. And when you have community members who organize a meeting and get you to come to it and you have citizens telling you that they don't feel safe, here's what I would like to do. Here's what I would favor doing. If my, I was thinking to myself, if my car got stolen, I'd be in a pickle. Financially, I don't really have the cash right now to go buy another car. I'm driving a car with 120,000 miles on it. It's a reliable car. I like it. I try to keep it looking nice. Try to keep it serviced. That would be a big-time hardship for me, and i got to assume it would be a big-time hardship for a lot of people if their car was stolen. What resources are there for, here's a word we don't often hear related to crime, victims. What resources are there for the victims? Well, you have insurance. Yeah, yeah, you might hopefully do have insurance. But if you have insurance, guess what? Insurance companies don't like buying you a different car. And here's the other ugly truth of it, Elizabeth Gill and other judges. If my car gets stolen, the odds of me being able to go out and find another car for my insurance settlement that I deem to be as affordable and 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 you know effective as the car I have now, the the odds of that are zero, zero, because of a little thing, a present from our president Joe Biden called inflation. Because you might have read that used car prices are through the roof. So if I do nothing wrong, I park my car somewhere, I lock it, it gets stolen, and a kid takes it. He's out on the street the same day or the next day, and I spend how long looking for a car that won't be as good as the car I had. So I'm victimized more than once. You're listening to The Bruce Hooley Show, 98.9 The Answer and 94.5 The Answer. You can catch the podcast after the show at either website. Tonight we will be at Genoa Christian Fellowship, 6 o'clock VIP reception, 7.30 the program begins. You can get tickets. They are free if you want them. Or you can get VIP tickets at 989theanswer.com or theanswerdayton.com. We will have uh, Hugh Hewitt, Brandon Tatum, Mike Gallagher, Eric Metaxas from the Salem Media Network there. Uh, I believe Congressman Jim Jordan will be there. I will be there. Hope to see you. We were talking in segment one about juvenile crime in Columbus. A group of concerned citizens got together last night and put judges' feet to the fire. 
got to do something about this problem. 10,000 car thefts in Columbus, ridiculous. And what you're doing is not working. So what, of course, the people in charge said was, uh, well, we're going to keep doing it. Mike from Columbus heard that, may like it, may not like it. I'm anxious to know Mike's opinion. Hi, Mike. Thanks for coming uh, on the program. Welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. Hello. Hey, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I listen to your show every morning, and um, you know, the, one of the biggest problems, you know, in with kids these days is that they're not held accountable for their actions, and they're, you know, like you said, they're they're let out, you know, that same day, and they're not they're not given any kind of punishment, so they're not putting like the fear of God into them or anything, you know, like when I was. Um, when I was 15, I went through, like, some stuff with my, like, with my family going through, like, a divorce and everything else, mm-hmm. and I acted out, and I went out and vandalized. I set stuff on fire. I mean, I was stealing stuff. I was a bad kid, and when I got arrested, um, my dad just thought I was getting arrested for stealing bikes because I was spray-painting them in the garage gray, mm-hmm. and... They took me down. They found out all these things that I did, and they said, and and he just came in and he whooped my butt, <laughs> and then he put me into a um, like a psych center for six weeks, and I learned more in that center. I, I learned so much in that center with myself and also the consequences of my actions, especially later on in life, that it real it it did a one eighty. It turned me around, and I I haven't been, you know, I've never been. Uh, a criminal. Since <laughs> just, I was just a really bad kid. Well, thank so you for your accountability. That's absolutely right. I mean, thank you for your perspective on that, Mike. And I think you know you they got your attention right because you you were making a you were making a value judgment between do I want to continue down this road? Do I is this punishment? Am I okay with this? Uh, if I am, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But you had to be presented with a choice, and you made the choice. You made the best choice. And you've lived a productive life because of that. I, I I agree with you. I don't think these kids are facing enough punishment that the choice is easy. Like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And we keep seeing that with 10,000 car thefts in Columbus. a crazy number. It sure is. And you know, if some of these kids, you know, face some accountability, maybe we get some of those off the street. Maybe so. Mikey, thank, thank you for your perspective. I appreciate it very much. I don't find... That number, the 10,000 car thefts and the preponderance of car thefts and the recidivism in car thefts, I don't find it to be at all a surprise given the fact the numbers are in now from the first month of the Columbus City Schools disciplinary records, and they had an average, just in Columbus City Schools, we're not talking about suburban schools, just in Columbus City Schools in September, so late August to late September, an average of 4.4 incidents per day where they had to call the cops to break up a fight or something of that nature. I could go through a lot of rigmarole about the fights. I waded through all the numbers and I waded through all the explanations. And then as is often the case, I got to the back of the story at dispatch.com and I found out like, oh, okay, here's the reason. Here's why. Because they're all like for pages and pages. I don't understand. We have all these programs and we're trying this and then blah, 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 blah. Let me get all the way to the end of the story, and here's what it says. Columbus City Schools has not had a student resource officer since the district let its contract with Columbus Division of Police expire in June of 2020. In other words, they have no police officers in schools. They have no deterrent to fights. 
Okay? And gee, can anybody help me with what might have happened in June of 2020? Oh, I remember. George Floyd in Minneapolis happened in May of 2020. So every city around the country where people were predisposed to think that the actions of one rogue police officer in Minneapolis were indicative of the actions of every police officer everywhere in every incident, we had to get rid of school resource officers, which is the leftist way of saying police in schools. If you have a violent, dangerous school, the best deterrent you can have is a police officer. It has myriad benefits having a police officer there. Number one, it makes kids think twice about acting out because, well, there's a police officer. And as much as the leftists have tried to destroy the image of police as peacekeepers, that image still persists. The other part of it is kids might actually get to know the school resource officer and actually strike up a conversation, dare I say, friendship with school resource officer. And then when they see another police officer out on their streets in their neighborhoods, they don't automatically assume the worst. But what message did Columbus's Board of Education and city schools convey to students when George Floyd happened and they got rid of the officers in their schools? Ah, oh, they're protecting us from officers just like Derek Chauvin, who will do to us what he did to George Floyd. That's the message you sent. That's the message. Congratulations. Congratulations. So now you have less safe schools, and you wonder why kids have no respect for law enforcement. And oh, by the way, hold on, hold on. I haven't even gotten to the cherry on the Sunday of dysfunction yet. Because you treated police officers the way you treated them, and because you charged them for things that they did to keep the peace in downtown Columbus and the riots that ensued after George Floyd, guess what? Guess what? You got a new police chief, you got a new assistant police chief both from Detroit, because we can't wait for our murder rate to get as high as Detroit's. And they come in here, and they farm out all the experienced police officers and hand each one of them 200 grand to go away. And now what do we have? Oh, look at that. We have a shortage of police officers. We can't recruit police officers from other states or from other cities. Nobody wants to work in Columbus, Ohio. Gee, why is that? Because we have a police oversight civilian review board who never have ever been walking a beat, have known nothing about policing. And so congratulations, leftist policy. You've made your schools less safe. You've stood in the way of students getting to authentically know a real police officer so they view police differently. You've marginalized police in town, chased off the most experienced ones, unable to replace them with new ones. And you have an idiot assistant police chief who, after four teenagers lose their lives at city parks, say our parks are overwhelmingly safe. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.